Right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we'll be continuing and concluding our teaching this morning on everything is a seed. This is part five. This will be the final uh, session I have. We'll start a new uh, teaching starting next week. Um, and so, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived. They're archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. We also want to say thank you to all those who have uh, supported us and uh, um, partnered with us with your tithes and your offerings, and we thank you for doing so. You can find all that information on our website at lighthousesatmanship.org, and you go to the give page and all the directions and information is there. Okay. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump into our message this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. We've been talking about how everything is a seed. That is not only true in the spiritual realm, that is also true in the natural realm. And God created the natural realm. I believe in many ways God created in the natural realm as an allegory to how the spiritual realm works. And we're going to find out more, more true today as we look at the parable of the sower uh, in, in specific. Okay? But this whole idea of everything from a seed is true not only in the natural, but true in, only true in the, it's also true in the spiritual. It's also true of how the kingdom of God works, and it's also how true the power of darkness works. <coughs> Excuse me. So, see, again, everything is a seed, and we've been talking about this over the last four weeks, how everything is a seed, the things that we say, the things that we do, the things that we think. It, it, it also uh, comes out in our expressions, it comes down in our body language. It comes down in our attitudes, the things that we worry about, the things that we have faith in, the things that we are trusting, or things that, um, excuse me, the things that we are influenced by, the things that we are influencing. It's also true in, uh, not only with the Word of God, which we'll be looking at again this morning, but the things that we hear, not only the things that we say, <coughs> excuse me, but they're also the things that we hear. It's true in our giving. It's also true in our spending with our bills. It's true in every area of our lives. There's nothing that is not affected by a seed. Okay? And so um, everything is how the kingdom is how it works spiritually, it works naturally, it works financially, it works in relationally, it works in the kingdom of God, it also works with the power of darkness. Okay? Everything is a seed. And every seed comes from a source. And one of our key verses has been from Genesis 1 11. It says, God says that the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. Okay? So every seed uh, carries with itself according to its kind. Every seed produces after its own kind. Ladybugs beget ladybugs, monkeys beget monkeys. You can't put two dogs together and get a pig. It doesn't work that, that way, okay? Humans beget humans, male and female. There's not a third option, okay? It's just, it's just how it works, okay? And so, and so they produce according to kind. What do you do with seeds? What do you plant them? What's the purpose of seeds? You plant them to get a harvest. They increase them, they multiply them, okay? There's some things that you don't want to multiply, so you need to stop selling it. There's some things that you do want to multiply, so you need to begin or continue sowing those seeds. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. 
when we look at our primary, the book of Mark today, Mark, excuse me, Mark chapter 4, excuse me, but we've also looked at the last few weeks when Mark says it's something in verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 25, 26, I mean, 26 to 27, he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed of the ground, and to sleep by night and day, by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow he himself to grow your half. There's a lot in here that we've unpacked over the last four weeks, but the kingdom of God is like a seed. If you don't understand and understand the principle of the seed, you're not going to understand how the kingdom of God works. If you understand how the kingdom of God works, if you don't understand how the economy of God works, you need to understand the principle of the seed. Okay? We're going to be looking at the parable of the seller. Right now, I'm going to take a snapshot from Luke. Right now, the parable... Now, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. And we're going to be looking at this parable, we're going to be looking at it from Mark's point of view, not so much Luke's. But the point is, Jesus also made a statement that if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any of the parables. <coughs> and we're also going to take a snapshot that in this context, Jesus actually taught on ten different parables. Okay. And they all stem from this parable. They all stem from the, the seed of the Word of God as being the foundation of all the parables he was teaching under his teaching. Okay? So everything in the kingdom of God works according to this principle of a seed. And the seed being the Word of God. Okay? So the Word of God is central. The Word of God is a seed. And everything in life flows from that seed. See, everything in our life needs to be sowed with the Word of God. Our minds, our bodies, our emotions, the things that we believe, our actions, our expressions, our faith, our attitudes, the things that we trust, the things that we are influenced by, and the things that we influence, our, our giving as well as our spending with our bills, and also the things that we hear and that we receive from other people and other things. We've, we've said this before, but um, in, in Mark, uh, under the, uh, in, in, in the context of the parable of the sower, Jesus said, take heed what you hear. And he also said, take heed how you hear. We need to, we're right, today we're going to focus a lot on the Word of God as we started last week. And we're going to continue this week, but we're going we're gonna to zero in on the parable of the sower. And in doing so, we need to take heed what we hear and how we are hearing it. We need to take heed what we are hearing regarding the Word of God and from the Word of God, and we need to take heed how we are hearing. This applies to other things, but we're talking about the Word of God this morning. Okay? Our spirit man needs the constant influence of the Word of God. It's how we live our, li our life. It's how our lives are transformed. It's how our minds are renewed. It's how our bodies are healed and our finances are increased. It's how the kingdom of God is expanded. In Matthew, from the parable of the sower, Jesus said this, He who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word of God and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a higher fold, some sixty or some thirty. <coughs> We're going to see that in the parable of the sower, there's four different kinds of soil. In the other words, there's four different kinds of heart conditions to receive the seed, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Okay, and the word of God. The seed has the potential to produce fruit in our lives 160 or 30 fold. Okay? But there's some, there's some 
things about the soil of our heart that need to be true for the seed to have the capacity to do so. The seed, what, what's the purpose of a seed? To plant it so they can increase. It's not 160, 30 fold. But if you don't get the seed in your heart, if you don't get the seed in your heart without other things in there, just like if you were farming, if you were gardening, if you're trying to plant flowers or plant a crop, if you don't plow your ground right, if you don't have any good soil, it's not going to produce. Okay? <coughs> it's not the seed's fault, it's the soil's fault. That makes sense? And we're going to unpack that in just a few minutes. Okay, so again, our key verse in this whole study has been from Genesis 1.11 that says, And that God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the earth that you'll see, and the fruit of the tree that you'll strew according to his kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. Okay, so last week we, we, we talked about, uh, we, we did look at the book of Mark, chapter 4, but we, are all, we unpacked it how, we, we talked about how in the New Testament, 44 times this word seed is used, or the word, the word of God is used and it's referred to as a seed, and it means sperma, okay? In order for the seed, or sperma, to produce, it needs to be conceived, okay? How is it conceived when the seed is conceived in the ground? How does a woman become pregnant? Because there's a seed that's conceived in her womb. Same thing with an animal, same thing with an insect, same thing with everything, that something has to be conceived. And so to conceive and give birth to miracles, you must first plant the Word of God in your heart. If you want something, if you want supernatural results, you're going to need to have a supernatural conception, okay, and, and germination of that seed. Okay, there was only one virgin birth, and you're not going to be the second. It's not going to happen that way. Conception can't take place without the first of planting of the seed. The seed's got to get in the heart. The seed needs to get in the soil. The seed needs to be planted so it can germinate and gestate and produce a harvest. Okay? And many people are praying and, and believing God for stuff, and they're frustrated because they're missing the seed of conception. The, the Word of God's on the shelf. The, you can't... The seeds don't do any good if they're in an envelope or in a bag or, or uh, a box on the shelf. You need to get the seed of God and, and God's, word, God's Word in your heart. Okay? And so we looked at three parables last week from the book of Mark, chapter 4. The parable of the sower, the parable of the growing seed, and the parable of the mustard seed. Okay, that was last week's message. And I mentioned last week that we're going to come back... And we're going to spend time back in Mark chapter 4, but we're going to be looking specifically at the first parable that we talked about, the parable of the sower, which Jesus said, this is the parable of all parables. If you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any other parables. So we're going to look at, we're going to go to Mark chapter 4, we're going to be looking at the first 20 verses of this chapter, as Jesus not only gives the parable, but then he begins to explain the parable, and what the parable means. So let's start with Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And it says, And again he, Jesus, began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude would gather to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in, in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Okay. Jesus, the miracles that Jesus did, 
always drew crowds. They always drew the masses. When you start seeing a bunch of people healed, deaf ears opening, a blind eyes opening, the dead being raised, uh, different people with different sicknesses and illness and injuries being healed, it's going to draw a crowd. Okay? But even though Jesus' ministries drew a crowd, and he did do it, and, he, and John even says at the end of his book, first book, uh, the Gospel of John, he said that all the miracles that Jesus did were recorded, there would not be enough room for all the books on this planet. Okay, Jesus did a lot of miracles. But he was constantly teaching the Word of God. It says again he began to teach. Okay? The, the, it's the Word of God. The seed of God's word that changes people's lives. Okay? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Okay? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay? If you don't hear the word of God, you don't, first of all, you don't have the seed to work with. You don't have the seed of conception. Okay? It's the word of God that changes people's lives. And so, therefore, Jesus was constantly teaching the word of God. Jesus was a teacher of the word, first and foremost. He did miracles. He did a lot of awesome things. But the primary ministry, the first and foremost ministry of Jesus was teaching the word of God. <clears throat> miracles simply confirmed the word of God taught. Miracles were simply the byproduct, the fruit of the, of the word of God. In one sense, the miracles would have been pointless without the teaching of the word. Okay? And I can expound on that. That's not the scope of my teaching this morning. But it's here. Because he, again, go back to verse 1. Again, he began to teach by the sea, but a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into his boat and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. He can make anything in the pulpit, even if it's a boat. Okay? And so that's, that's how he was teaching in this scenario. So it's in the scenario that he's teaching the Word of God that he's teaching all these parables. Okay? <coughs> Let's go to verse 2. i got to go to King James just for this particular verse. And he taught, he, Jesus, taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. I just want to focus on this word doctrine for just a little moment before we get deep into the parable. Jesus spoke in parables, and I like how the King James brings it out. And uh, he talk, calls it his doctrine. Doctrine is a distinguished is, is distinguished from the teaching that is systematic. Okay, in other words, the parables were not just random, randomly put together. These parables that Jesus taught were were established doctrine. Jesus was teaching some doctrine to the people. Jesus was communicating their doctrine. And all that brings you my thoughts straight. All um sorry, try to read my notes here. Everything else that Jesus was gonna do, the miracles, everything else he taught, revolved around the word of God. Because Again, he's going to teach a bunch of parables, and then he says the parable of all parables is the parable of the sower. 
And in the parable of the sower, he says the, par- the, 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 the seed is the word of God. So the, 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 the foundation of all these parables, all this doctrine that Jesus is going to teach is the word of God. And all these other parables, all these other teachings, all these other miracles, all these other great things that Jesus did revolve around the word of God being the foundation of the kingdom. Now we just read that, in, in, uh, that the kingdom of God is like a seed. Okay, the, king, the word of God is the foundation of the kingdom of God. It's the foundation of the word uh, of, of everything else Jesus did. Are you following me? Am I making sense? Okay. Again, why are we starting here? Because that's where that's where Mark starts when he's talking about the parable of the sower and everything that's going on here. Okay. I want to go to a verse real quick in verse thirteen. I didn't change it in my slide, but he says, this is where I want to go next. And he said, and Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? He gives the parable of the sower, and then he explains it, because the disciples are confused. He said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In order to understand all the parables, all this doctrine that Jesus is teaching, we need to understand the parable of the sower. Am I making sense? Because this parable is the parable of all parables. This parable is the foundation to every other doctrine that Jesus is teaching. Okay? And so sometimes when we think of doctrine, we think of Paul. Well, Jesus is teaching doctrine too. Okay? He's our teacher. Do we understand that? Do we understand that Jesus is our teacher? Okay? Maybe we don't. So hopefully we understand that Jesus is our teacher. We need to understand that. Okay? Let's go back to verse 3. He says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. So he's teaching all this doctrine. He has a crowd. And he says, Listen, a sower went out to sow. See, this whole idea of the sower went out to sow, or went out to cast seed, went out to, you know, how did we sow? Well, I'm not just talking about in the garden, I'm not just talking about in our farm across. But spiritually speaking, how do we sow seed? We scatter seed. We plant the Word of God. We, how, how do we sow the seed? We speak the Word of God. We broadcast the Word of God. And where do we sow it? Everywhere. You know, this concept we're going to see, and we have seen so far, that the sower scatters seed. Yes, there's a way in farming and gardening that there's, there's a systematic way of doing it in rows and whatnot. But in the context here that we're looking at the parable of the sower, the sower is scattering seed. And we too, as we go about life, we are scattering seed. And that seed's going to fall on four different kinds of soil. And we too are a soil. We too are a ground where the, 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 the seed is being sown. And our own hearts can be four different types of soil. Okay? And so, um, this is, so this is also not only beneficial to how we reach others, but this is all beneficial how we ourselves receive the seed of God's word. Okay? And so, um, trying try to catch up with myself here. So, with that in mind, the sower went out to sow seed. Now, we begin the parable of the sower, but like I said, Jesus 
in this context, if you put Matthew, Mark, and Luke together, and have put it in chronological order, Jesus actually taught ten different parables in the, in the city. He's, in, he's teaching from the boat, people are facing the sea, and he's teaching from the boat, and he actually teaches ten different parables in the setting. Mark covers four of these parables, Luke covers two of them, and Matthew covers eight of them. Okay? But all, all ten of these parables uh, are mentioned here. We're not going to read all ten of these parables, but I will uh, verbally list them for you. We have obviously the parable of the seller and Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke cover this, all, all three of them cover this parable. You have the parable of the tares among the wheat, and Mark and uh, um, Mark covers that one. Excuse me. We have the parable of the light under a bushel, and Mark and Luke cover that one. The parable of the seed, Mark covered that one. We talked about that one last week. The parable of the mustard seed, Mark and Matthew covered that. We talked about that one last week. We have the parable of the leaven, Matthew covers that. The parable of the treasure in the field, Matthew covers that. The parable of the pearl of great price, Matthew covers that. And the parable of the net or a fish, Matthew covers that. And the last one is the parable of the scribe, and Matthew covers that one. Most of these parables are co covered in Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8, or Matthew chapter 13 in, in the context. We're not going to read all 10 of those parables, so don't get distracted with that. We're talking about the parables of the story this morning. Okay, that's, that's what we're focused on. You can read all of those by yourself on your own time, okay, later on. But that's not the context that we're talking about uh, here, okay? So again, let's go back here real quick. The, the, uh, Mark chapter 3. Let's it behold, a sower went out to sow. Okay? And the, the sower casts his seed in the ground. He, he, he spreads it everywhere. Now, keep this in mind, because we're, we're going to talk about the parable of the sower, and this will be uh, seen very, very clearly with the four different types of soil. When you sow seed, when you sow the word of God, not everyone will receive it. Not every heart will receive it. These four different kinds of soil represents four different kinds of hearts. You know, the parable of soil can be very powerful in this sense. You need to you need to gauge what type of soil you are. Because it can also be different types of growth or maturity in your life. Okay, and that that type of soil can change from time to time. You can start off well, but then you got some. Before you know, you got some rocks and you got some thorns in there. You got to take care of. But it also can be helpful to know when you are evangelizing, witnessing, sharing God's word, what type of soil is falling on. This is not so we can go around and point the finger at people and judge people, but this is so we can also understand where people are coming from and why they're not receiving it. Doesn't mean we can't still work on it if, if the Holy Spirit would lead us to do so. But it's also helpful to understand they're not receiving because they got thorns in the way or they got rocks in the way. They're just falling on the wayside. Or they're receiving it because it's down in good soil. So it can also help us in that. But keep this in mind. It's not our business to make them receive it. You can't make people receive it. You can't shove it down people's throats. You can't make them receive it. You try to plant seed on pavement. You can't make that pavement receive the word, receive the seed. The only way that that pavement is going to be received is that you got to chop that pavement up. I mean, we're not going to go around chopping people up. 
and the harvest. Okay? Our job is to sow the seed. That's our job. And we don't decide for them by saying, well, they're just not going to receive it, so I'm not going to share it. No, it doesn't work that way. We share the seed. <coughs> we preach the word in season and out of season. And we let God do the rest. We let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Does that make sense? That's not really the scope of my message, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. So now let's go to verse 4 real quick. For the seller shows the word. Uh, verse 4. Now when, when I'm teaching this, I'm going to be toggling back and forth between Jesus giving the parable and Jesus explaining the parable, as he does in the same chapter. So I'm going to be toggling back and forth. Okay, so let's go to um, Mark 4, 4. And it happened as he, we talked about the sower. The sower sowed, and some fell on the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured. Jesus explained that, and this is what he, <coughs> excuse me, this is his explanation of that verse. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So the first type of soil or ground that we are dealing with is the wayside. Okay? So we have the, 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 way, the, the ground is sown on the wayside. Okay? And it's sown on the ground and immediately the birds come and take the, the, the seed away, the word away, and that, that was sown in their hearts. Let's talk about the wayside for a moment. Okay? Uh, let me back up just a moment. Sorry for doing that. Again, I want to go back here. The silver seals the word. I talked about this a little bit last week. Um, the reason why I think Jesus used the parable of the sower and the parable of the seed and the sower, because, like I said last week, in that natural farming, uh, in other words, he's, he's equating natural farming with the word of God. And one thing nice about this is that you can't cheat natural natural seed time and harvest. You can cheat the legal system. You can cheat the educational system. There's a lot of man systems out there you can cheat, but you can't cheat the word, the, the, the concept, the principle, the law, because this law is a natural law. It's also a spiritual law of sowing and reaping. Okay? Uh, the, the, the principle of sowing and reaping is unchangeable. It's, a, again, a natural law. It's a spiritual law. It works for everybody, everywhere, every time, on a natural level, on a spiritual level. You can't cheat it. And every, because, why am I saying that? Because everything is a seed. That's, a, that's the title of our message. That's the title of the series. Everything is a seed. So now let's go back to some fell on the wayside. Okay? Some fell there on the pavement. Let's talk about that. The, the, and also let me say this. Not only the, the Word of God is seed, but the ground is our hearts. So these four different kinds of soil we're talking about are our hearts. The one that fell on the wayside fell on a heart that is so hard the ground could not even, the seed could not even penetrate the ground. It, you can't get it. It's like pavement. You can't get it in there. Does, can some weeds grow through the cracks in the pavement? Yes, and they do. Okay. But it's not going to produce a, a heart. It's not going to produce a harvest. It's not going to produce uh, as it needs to be. Okay. 
Just seeing it falls on the wayside. So we're showing see some falls on the wayside. Okay. The heart, the soil of the heart that receives this seed. Now, keep in mind, this, you have four different kinds of soil, but you've got the same seed. Whether you're going to be fruitful or not fruitful is not based on the seed. It's based on the soil, the ground, the heart. The seed's going to do all the producing. The fruit is going to come from the seed, not you. The seed is going to come from the seed, seed not the heart. But in order for that seed to produce, it needs to have somewhere to grow, somewhere to germinate. Am I making sense? This soil, this heart, that receives the same seed that fell on the good soil, is a heart that is called the wayside. Okay? And this type of heart has no desire for the Word of God. Have you ever met people like that? And some of you have been that way yourself at, at some point. And some of you listening you might be that way now. You just have no desire for the Word of God. You don't even have an appetite. It's not a desire. And so, even I know it says that it was sown in their hearts. At the same point in time, it's the wayside. It had nothing to penetrate. And there was no germination. Okay? It was sown, meaning that it was scattered. It fell on the wayside. But it didn't go into the soil because it couldn't. And that made, am I making sense? There was no desire. For the word of God. Satan, and therefore Satan came and stole the word of God. Because they didn't, they didn't receive it. They didn't get sown. They didn't understand the word of God. See, understanding it is essential to getting his word inside you. Understanding God's word is important and essential for the word of God to get to your heart. <coughs> If the Word of God can't get into your heart, it can't germinate, it can't produce, it can't do what it's designed to do. Does that make any sense? Okay? See, we teach kids, children, on a level they can understand. Because if they can't understand it, they can't process it and use the information. This is the only type of soil of the four kinds that Satan can come and steal the seed. So Satan's still in your seed. Your seed's still on the wayside. Okay? There's no understanding and no germination. See, most... Some guy that you're having myself. So that's the first one. There's not a lot to talk about with that one because it fell on the wayside. It fell on the pavement. There's not much else you can do with it because it's not going to go anywhere. It can't do anything. It's just going to feed the birds. Okay? Now the second type of soil, let's go to Mark chapter 5, and some fell on the stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, it was scorching because it had no root, it withered away. Now let's look at, the, at Jesus' explanation of that. In verse 16, it says, These likewise are also sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. Verse 17 says, And they had no root in themselves, and so endured only for a time. Afterward, 
when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, and immediately they stumble. Now, in one sense, there's a lot here, but let's break this down a little bit. Really, in essence, we'll find later that only the seed of on good soil really understood the word of God. Okay? But this soil, on this ground, this heart, they it immediately sprang up. Because they immediately received it with gladness. They didn't ignore it. They didn't suppress it. They received it with gladness. Okay. But there was no, but because there was no death of earth, no death of soil, because it was stony ground, there was no time for them to become a, let's go to verse 17, a root system. There was no root in themselves. So the first one couldn't even get into the heart. This one got in, but the, the, the soil is so shallow, there was no root for there was no room for a root system. Are you following me? Am I making sense? And without a germination process of the root system, there's going to be no fruit. Remember that the four soils only one bear fruit. 30, 60, uh, 30, and four. But this one, just like the other three, didn't have any root system. <coughs> this one, unlike the first soil, the, the seed got in. And he did see, he did see fruit in this case, it sprayed up. But there was no fruit in the vine. There was no fruit in the plant. See, where am I going at with this? Most people want to see the visible. They don't really care about the roots on the ground. They can't see it. That doesn't excite them with gladness. Okay. Most people want the visible versus the roots going underground because the roots underground takes time. They take time to develop, and you can't see what's going on, and that can frustrate you. That can get you to to waver in your faith. Seeds that grow in shallow soil put all the energy to grow above the ground because they have no room to grow elsewhere. They have nowhere else to grow. At first, it looks great. It looks better than the other one because it's tall and big and flush. But once this thing called, go back here, once this thing called the sun comes out, it is scorched because it has no root. Okay, once the sun comes out, it dries out the plant and there's no root system in it, so it dies. We have to have a root system for it to grow, okay, for it to be stabilized. Most people don't like the root system process called germination. They want to experience the benefits of the Word of God that are visible, but they don't want to spend time alone with God in relationship. Are you following me? In any relationship, you need to spend time together to for that relationship to get some depth and stability for it to endure. Any relationship, if you don't spend time together, it's not that relationship is not mature. It's not going to be strong. 
Okay. To get root, we need to be rooted and established in the Word of God. Are you following me? Colossians says it this way, as ye therefore receive Christ Jesus, who received the seed of Christ. So walk ye in him, being rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. I'm using the King James Version first. I didn't put the KJV on the top, but I'm using the King James Version first. So we receive Christ, the seed, it germinated in our heart. I mean, it, 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 it was there. We're born again. But we need to be rooted and built up. And the same way we receive him is the same way that we need to be rooted. The same way we need to walk in him. How do you walk in him? Well, there's columns here. That's why I like the King James Version. Being rooted up and built up in him and established in the faith. And that takes time. That takes a walk. Okay? And walking with him. Okay? Fruitful, we, in order to have fruitful results, we need to have personal roots. Versus visible results on another minister's teaching. Praise God for other ministers. But you can't build your faith on someone else's teaching. You can't build your root system on someone else's system. They can give you the seed. They can get into your heart. <coughs> but that seed needs to germinate in your heart. Not just in your hearts. Am I making sense? As you have received Christ, so you walk in Him, be rooted in the faith. As ye have been taught. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Another one in Ephesians 3.17 says this way. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He, Christ is the seed. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Going back to Colossians chapter 1.23. And if indeed you continued in the faith. Grounded and steadfast. And not moved away. From the hope of the gospel which you heard. Which was preached to every creature. Under heaven, in which I, Paul, became a minister. It was preached. Preached to every creature. The, the seed was scattered. Okay, if you continue in the faith, grounded and established, never the way. See, too much attention on the physical, on the visible, I want to say that again, will cause us to become impatient. And when we become impatient, many times we abort the seed. We abort the germination process. We need to be firmly established in the Word of God. That's why we call it discipleship. That's why we call this church Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Because discipleship takes time. Jesus, the disciples spent three and a half years under Jesus' ministry before they became apostles. Paul, when he got converted from Saul to Paul, he spent three and a half years in Damascus before he really started his ministry. And there's a time when all of us to be discipled in the Word of God. Because if we're not discipled, Jesus, Jesus commissioned us to be make disciples of all nations. He didn't go tell us to make converts. Yes, we need converts. There needs to be a time where we receive Christ. But there also needs to be a time where we walk in Him and really the grand commission. Okay. And that's called discipleship. And if you don't have discipleship, you're going to have fruitlessness. The, 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 the soil is going to be shallow. There's not going to be any root system. Jesus said it this way in John 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If you want much fruit in your life, you need to abide in him. Because that's a root system. Okay? Without him, without, without him, without abiding in him, without a root system, you can't produce anything. Because you are not the source. You need to abide in the source. But if you don't have a root system, the, the source, when the, when the, see, the, see, here's the thing. You can start out well because you receive Christ's great gladness. That's good. That's a starting point. That's a conception point. Okay? You can't have germination without conception. But conception alone is not going to produce the harvest. It's a starting point. It's the beginning. It's vital, but it's not the whole enchilada. You need to abide. It needs to come to fruition. It needs to, to, to finish its course. See, some of us jump out on a limb, take a big leap of faith prematurely. I admire and marvel your faith, but your faith has not been grounded and established in God yet. It needs some time. Okay? And when the sun comes out, if you are not don't have any root system, you're going to get winter. Because the sun will come out. Okay? We can't live on someone else's Commitment to the Word of God. You have to have your own commitment to the Word of God. We have to have our own root system. See, the sun's going to come out. Keep this in mind. If you don't have any sunshine, you can't grow. We planted some grass not too long ago in our front yard. It needs water. And, and the seed had to be sown. But it also needs sunshine. It's hot right now. We're in the middle of summer. It needs sunshine. Otherwise, it can't grow. Okay? But without a root system, it's going to get scorched. It's going to wither. Okay? Sun is necessary for growth. Without, without sunshine, it will die too. But without roots, when the sun comes out, they will also die. Am I making sense? We need sunshine. But without roots, we will die. Without sun, we'll die. But we need both. Without roots, the sun will kill the plant. And problems, the, how many know the sun shines on everybody? There's not a place on this planet where you can go where you're not going to get no sunshine. Now you got some place like the Arctic where you're not going to have a lot of soil that's uh, that's visible to the sun because the soil is not visible to the sun because it's covered in ice. Okay, but so the soil itself is not seen in the sun. Anyway, I'm not going to go into all that and go all the different different exceptions to this. But without soil and sun and water and seed, it's not going to grow. But if we are rooted and grounded in the Word of God, we will survive when the sun comes out, even in the middle of summer. Okay? We will survive. And not only will we survive, we will grow. 
compared to the exercise of faith to high terms. James says it this way. Let me go, uh, go ahead and James. James 1, 2 to 4 says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall through various trials. Amen or me. Now we not the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. <coughs> God's not the source of our, our trials, but we can count it all joy when he goes from. Okay. Without roots, we will get burned by the trials of life. Son, we can count all joy when we're going through trials because we our faith is being tested and produces patience. You can't produce patience without a root system. Okay? When you plant a tree, when you plant a, 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 a crop, when you plant anything, how do you know it's going to take the, 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 how do you know it's going to endure the sunshine in the heart of summer? It's going to be because of the root system. Without a root system, it has nothing to, to, to be patient with. It has nothing to be tested with. It can't endure. It can't endure. It can't endure. Patience and endurance is the same concept. Same word many times in the Greek. And for it to endure, it has to have a root system. And when we have a root system, when no matter what, what comes our way, we can count it all joy. So what, what happens when... What happens when it's really hot? You got a heat wave. You need more water. What's the water? The Word of God. Being watered by the Word. So when you are going through a really strong trial, the trial of your life, the sun's, the scorching sun, what do you need to be really saturated with? The Word of God, which is water. You need to be so saturated in that thing. That you can withstand the trials of life. Am I making sense? Let's go back to verse 17 for a moment. 4, 4, 17. And they have no root system in themselves, so they only endure for a time afterward when the tribulation or persecution arises. For the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Okay, I want to spend some time on this just for a moment. Afflictions, tribulation, Persecution, okay, are not blessings from God. God's the word. Okay. But how many of you know, just like we all will endure sunshine, we're all going to endure tribulations. He says, in this world you will find tribulation. It says in, it says in uh, Timothy, anyone who desires to live godly will be persecuted. If you're not being persecuted, then chances are you don't desire to live godly. Jesus said, in this life, you will endure uh, tribulation. In this life, in this world. Until Jesus comes again, we have a new heaven, new earth, and there's no more curse. We will have tribulation and persecution. Okay? They're not instruments of God. They are instruments of the devil. To steal, to kill, and destroy, and more importantly, to stop and kill and destroy God's word from being fruitful in your life. They're not good things that God brings to improve you. They're instruments of Satan for the word's sake. Okay? They're designed by Satan to take our attention off of God's word. 
and his promises. They are instruments of the enemy to, did God really say? When did we hear that before? In the garden. They want to stop the word of God from taking root. Satan does not want the word of God to take root in your heart. He can always steal it if it's on the wayside. But if, you're, if, if it's in the shallow ground, he can bring the scorching sun and different things in, in nature to, and even in your spiritual nature, if I can use that, to scorch that seed in that root system so it can't produce. For example, Someone who's running a race or sports. If they spend all their time arguing and heckling with the grandstand and those who are criticizing them and don't run the race, they're not going to finish that race. We are in a race, folks. We are in a fight of faith, and we need to run with endurance the race that's marked before us. But we don't do it by heckling with the spectators. We do it by focusing on God. In his word. Being single focus. Okay. Don't get distracted from meditating on the word of God. Don't get distracted from meditating on his word. And meditating on it day and night. Because Joshua says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but ye shall meditate on it day and night, that ye may observe to do according to all that is written in it. But then you will make your way to a prosperous, and then you will have good success. We need, we can't let anything distract us from this. We have to run the race. Josh, God was telling Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, as he began, was beginning his ministry, as the leader of Israel, to conquer the promised land. <coughs> If you read the book of Joshua, you know that they had many battles ahead of them. This is chapter, chapter, chapter 1. They hadn't even started. They hadn't even crossed the Jordan yet. And God preparing Joshua, I'm going to give you the promised land, but there's some battles ahead. And don't, and in the process, you meditate on my word day and night. And you will have good success. There's a lot of land and things that we need to go and possess that the enemy has stolen from. In the name of the Lord. And we need to meditate on his word day and night that we can have good success. We're not meditating on his word to get saved. We're meditating on his word because we are saved. And we are going to appropriate the word of God. We need to get, we're not meditating to impress God. We are meditating to impress us. So that we can be so saturated in the word of God. Okay. And we need to do this consistently, day and night. The Word of God needs to be consistent. I can't just water the grass once a week and it's going to be okay. It needs to be watered frequently. Every area of your life needs to be saturated with the Word of God. See, this whole idea of meditating is not to impress God. It's not to confess and see salvation. It's, it's a process of renewing, renovating my mind. Because I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. It's my mind that needs to be renewed, not God. 
God's not the one stuck. I am. I need his word in my heart that I may not sin against him. See, persecution is also, let me just end on this and then we'll go to the next step, next type of seed. Persecution is not personal. It's all about the word of God. Satan's bad with the word. And you've got to take it out of him. It's not personal. It's about the word of God. See, if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, it's the one who yelps the loudest the one who got hit. The one who persecutes us the loudest is usually the one who's under the most conviction by the Holy Spirit. It's not about us. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they are resisting in the Word of God. Okay? But they are affected by the Word. But we're not going to stumble. They're stumbling. They're stumbling at the cornerstone, at the rock that they reject. But you're not. Because in your heart, it's the cornerstone. Let's go to the third type of soil called the thorns or the weeds. What do I mean? How the weeds? Well, when those weeds dry up, they are pretty thorny. Okay? And some seeds fell among thorns. And thorns grew up and choked it out and yielded no crop. Again, no fruitfulness. Three types of soil so far. No, no, no fruitfulness. The interpretation of that from Jesus says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but they heard it. And the cares of this world, the seedfulness of riches, and the desire of other things come in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Let's talk about this for a minute. We only have so much, just like the soil and the ground, we only have so many nutrients. It can't. Soil cannot have, does not have a new, new, enough nutrient in its, itself to feed both the weed and the good, soil, good seed. <coughs> Likewise, our own hearts. Excuse me. Let me rephrase that. We already have so much attention. That we need to, if we don't, if our attention is not purely on God's word, feeding God's word, feeding on God's word in the soil of our heart, because the word of God is a seed, then our hearts, our lives will be unfruitful. Fruitfulness is based on our focus, our pure focus on the word of God. If you want fruit in your life, you need to be purely focused on God's Word. Meditating on it day and night. There's a lot of things in this world that can occupy our time. You just live life. If you're a parent, if you work, then all of you should be working. If you don't work, you shouldn't be eating. Okay, if you want to eat, you need to work. But working, being a good parent, grandparent, anyone in this life, you're going to have cares in this world. Riches are not bad. It's okay to have riches, you just don't want riches to have you. 
and you can be deceived by riches whether you have them or not. If you're trying to get them, or you already have them, you can be deceived by them. They're not the problem, you're harder. Okay? Desire of other things. It's not wrong to have other things, but these things can choke you if God's not your number one focus. Well, you shouldn't be focused on anything. Yes, I get that. But if you're not working, if you're not brushing your teeth, if you're not eating, if you're not using the restroom when you need to, if you're not doing other things, you're going to have some cares in this world. But those don't need to be your focus. You're going to need provision to live in this life, to have a home, to have a car, to have a family, to do ministry. But it doesn't need to be your focus. And there's other things in your life. You're going to need it. But they don't need to be your focus. If you're not being fruitful, something's wrong. Either it fell on the wayside, there's no, there's no root system, or you're being, it's being choked out. There's only three reasons why you're not seeing fruit in your life. If you don't like your harvest, you need to change your seed. And sometimes it's not the seed problem. Sometimes it's a soil problem. Based on the pedal of the sower. And sometimes the, the, the things of this life are there... And they, in some ways, they need to be there, but they don't need to be your focus. Hopefully, I'm making sense. Weeds take the nourishment and nutrients designed for the desired plant. And they still are energy. They still are focus. They still are attention from the Word of God. One of them is dominant. And is your focus energy on the Word of God or other things, including the cares of life? These things in themselves are not bad things. They become bad when they are dominant and taking all the energy and attention and focus in our lives. It's the focus that's bad. It's the focus and priority that's wrong. Okay? These are the affairs of life. Guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issue of life. I think that's Proverbs 4.23. <clears throat> we need to have a proper balance. When we are considering our jobs and our families and, and different things in this life, our leisure, it's not wrong to have some leisure time. If you don't have any leisure time, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna burn out. But in all these things, the Word of God needs to be dominant. Okay? We need to have a proper balance, but we need to have, have, have a consistent balance. You can't just balance it real, real good today or real good this week and this month, and next month or next week you're out of balance again. It has to be constant. Your relationship with God needs to be vibrant. And it means to be consistent. Okay? Again, going back to John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. It's a vibrant relationship. Abiding. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay? 
Philippians 3.15, Paul says, Therefore let us, as many are mature, having this mind, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. In other words, he will reveal to us anytime we become too focused on anything but him. You know, I can talk about a laser light. I don't know if you can see it here, uh, but there's a laser light. And uh, it's a little red dot in the ceiling right there uh, for my, my clicker. But when you have a laser, a laser, a, a, a diffuse, the strength of a laser lies in its focus. All that energy, all that light is focused on one spot. And a laser is diffused excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm reading my notes. A laser diffused ceases to be powerful. Okay? Let me let me try to paint this picture a little bit. The power of a Christian life is to be single focus, laser focus. On the Word of God. On God. You need to be so laser focused on your relationship with God, His Word, the seed. So you can create a root system. And it's not choked out by other things. So that you can mature and be bear much fruit. Because here's Paul. Paul says this, but before that he just said, brethren, I do not count myself that we have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of upward call of God. Paul was laser focused on his, knowing Jesus and knowing Christ. He had other things to do. He had some tip making to do. He had some travel plans. He had some things he had to do. He had churches and people he was ministering to. He had things in his life. But his number one goal was Christ. The way to destroy a man's vision is given to. You can't have two visions. You have one. The barriers of life can choke, choke our hearts from the word of God. And we become fruitless. I started to plant the weeds, see the weeds, the thorns that we're talking about. They start to plant. One of the seeds can be dominant, and usually, if you have weeds in your field, those weeds will—they're stubborn enough. They will be dominant. You need to, some of you need to pluck out some weeds. They're taking all the energy and nutrients and laser focus that you need on God and His Word. See, throughout history, the church grew in size and strength during persecution. If you've read church history through the years, from Pentecost till now, whenever there was great persecution, the church grew and multiplied. Why? Because when the church was being persecuted, people got their priorities straight. When their life was on the line... They got the priorities straight. And they began to focus on God again the way they should be, and the church grew. Okay? It wasn't the persecution that caused 
the growth, it was them setting their priorities straight and getting laser focus on God that changed their life and caused a revival. Our life isn't Jesus. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Come through me. Luke 6, 12, 15 says this. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. We have things. We need things to do life. We need things to do church and ministry. But our life does not consist of these things. He's our sufficiency. He's our source. He's our provider. And he's our focus. We can be covetous whether we have stuff or whether we don't have stuff. We can covet someone else's stuff. We can be so covered on the thing that we have. The Pharisees of going backwards. We just said we need to refocus our attention on God. See, the same thing as with prosperity. See, God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. But we need to seek first the kingdom of God and all and his righteousness and all these things that he wants to bless us will be added to us. I'm running out of time here, but I want to read this real quick. See, if we're preoccupied with things of, things of this world, they'll chuck out the Word of God and we'll become fruitful. But in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read this real quick, it says, uh, beginning of verse 19, Do not lay up yourselves treasures in earth, but moth and rust destroy, and what thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where, not th where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body of the eye, and therefore your eye is good, and your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Some translations say, give no thought regarding your life. What you will eat, or <coughs> what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, or gathered in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? God loves birds, but he, he says you are more valuable than they are. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they are toil, or spared, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is is and the ball of stone in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So if we don't have this concept, we have little faith. Okay? Anyway, therefore I do not do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all of these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be worried about its own same sufficient for the day in its own trouble. Okay? There's a lot here. I don't have time to expand on it as much as I would like to. But God's formula for prosperity is this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you need. God wants to bless your socks off. But he wants your focus on him. His kingdom and his righteousness. God will bless you. God will use you. God will multiply your seed. God will bless you beyond your wildest imagination. But your focus is God and his kingdom and his righteousness. That's your first and primary focus. If this is not true, the things that you need will choke you out of your heart. Okay? You're not worrying and fretting over the things that you need and even desire will be choked out. The word of God will become... Will bring, see, it's the word of God that will bring forth fruit. It's the kingdom of God, the economy of God, the righteousness of God that will bring forth fruit and blessings in your life. He says, don't worry about your life or the things that you need. He goes on to say, do not worry, say, what shall we eat, what shall we wear, etc. But we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Anxious thoughts are entertained by speaking to we can see again everything is a seed the word of God is a seed but if we start saying things like worry we are also planting negative seeds we're planting, planting weeds we are choking our own seeds by the things that we say and even the things that we think and worry about those are seeds too are you following me real quickly here I have one minute left and I'm going to go over we actually started about five minutes late so I'm going to take my five extra minutes. The last soil is a good soil. So let's go to verse 8. But other seed fell on good ground. And yielded the crop that sprang up, increased and produced. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. We all want to be here. And even though we all want to be here, we all want to be the 100-fold. Okay? So there's not. this is a good seed, good soil. And even the good soil has some variations in it. Okay? The explanation of that, verse 20, but these are the ones who have sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. There was not a lot of, did you notice verse 8? It's almost exactly the same as verse 20. <coughs> Jesus doesn't really need to explain it when it's going well. Jesus didn't really have to explain it when it's looking the way it's supposed to be looking. We all know when it's good soil. We all know when it's, it's producing a ho good harvest, 30, 60, 100. We don't really, know, we don't really need to understand. Because if you're plugged in to the source, if you have good soil, you just know it. How do you know it? The fruit shows it. How do you know you're not, how do you know it's not good soil? Because there's no fruit. The question is, is it the wayside? Is it the stony soil? Or the thorny soil? You need to figure out is something getting choked out, or is there no root system, or you just don't care about the word? Okay, most of you, most of you are probably in categories two or three if you're not seeing fruit in your lives. If it's patchy, maybe you're doing good health-wise and you got a good revelation and you're you're fucking the God when it comes to health, but your finances are shabby. I mean, maybe your finances are great, but your health is not too well. They can tell you also where you, what area of your life is not being sown by the Word of God. 
That makes sense? So, so if you ever have grass, we're doing great here, but it's patchy in one area? Well, what's going on in that area? Is there too many roots and thorns? Is there too much shade? Is there too much, well, what's going on there? You know, and sometimes there could be something going on under the ground, there's no root system, so nothing can grow there. Okay? This is not to hurt you, this is not to judge you, this is to help you. Jesus was not judging these people, he's helping them. He gave them ten parables of how the kingdom of God works. As us to decide if we're going to appropriate God's word, or we are just going to either be, be, uh, be offended by it. If we're being offended by it, you know, we're, then we're allowing other seeds to dominate our heart. Okay. Anyway, let's, let's go on. The good ground does not, but let me just say this. The good ground doesn't just happen. Okay? It must be cultivated. The rocks need to come out. The thorns need to come out. The pavement definitely needs to come out. <laughs> the wayside. Okay? And there's four different kinds of soil, so only 25% of the people, one quarter of the people, in this parable brought forth fruit. A lot of effort and diligence is needed to be a fruitful Christian. It's quicker, it's easier to raise weeds than it is to raise tomatoes and corn. The Word of God produces the fruit, not you. You're not the source. It's the seed in you. That's the source. The ground just gave it a place to grow. An atmosphere. The seed can't grow it if it's not put in soil. The, seed, the ground just gave it a place to grow. The seed is the same seed on all four kinds of soil. It's the soil that made the difference. It just needs to be in good soil. And when you sow, when you have God's word sown in your heart, you need to protect it, you need to water it, you need to make it your number one priority and your number one focus. See, again, going back to our key verse in this whole series, the, the, the seed or the word of God will produce of itself. Because the fruit, the seed, yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself. Everything you need for life and godliness is in that seed. You can't produce it. You can only give it a place to grow. <coughs> it will grow on its own. That's why if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it will be added because it will grow on its own accord. If you give it if you will allow it to do so, without it being choked out, without it not having no root system. See, some of you, you have a root system about the weeds that have been there for generations. It's like a mulberry bush. You need to get those seeds that are in your heart. Some of you have a lot of religion in you, and the Word of God can't get in there. You need to plow, allow the Holy Spirit to do some plowing of that religious system you have in your heart. See, again, going back to Mark 4, 26, 27. 
We've been talking about the last five weeks. The kingdom of God is that the man should scatter seed in the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. It comes from the seed. He doesn't know how. But he needs to make it a place for it to grow. Without, without With a root system and without something that's going to choke it out. Satan has deceived many of us, saying, I'm, I'm just not good enough. I don't have the right talents. I don't really have the right abilities. But it's not you. It's a seed that grows. Okay? The enemy has lied. Well, I'm not holy enough. I'm not wise enough. It's not you. It's a seed that grows. It's the seed that's going to make you holy anyway. It's the word of God that's going to sanctify you. It's the word of God that's going to make you righteous. Well, I have too little faith. Well, we already talked about what a little faith will do. A little faith will move a mountain to a sea. A little faith will take a mulberry bush and put it into the sea. A little faith will, can move mountains. We've already seen what a little faith can do. And the enemy has come to all of us and said, well, the, the word of God is just not enough. See, it's not working in life. The seed was not the problem. It's the soil. That's the problem. Because the enemy comes just like he came to Eve. Did God really say? Yes, God really said that. It is not working because my heart is not believing and receiving that. We are not the ones bringing forth fruit. <coughs> it's the word of God. And we need to protect the word of God that's sown in our hearts with all diligence. Because out of it flows the issues of life. The Word of God will produce. And the Word of God will do the rest if we get it in there. And nurture it. And are totally focused on it. And have no distractions to it. The Word of God will work. It will work everywhere, every time. The Word of God will produce according to its kind if we have a root system of it. If we are not distracted by other things that are choking it out. What made the good ground? What made the good ground? Was it because it had more? No. It was because it had less. It had less rocks. It had less weeds to block the roots and drain the nutrients. It didn't have more. It had less. It had less of other things. So the seed had room to grow. Our hearts to be good ground, the good soil, they don't need more. It takes less. Less occupation of this world. Less occupation with the affairs of this life. And more focus, more laser focus on the Word of God and the relationship. See, Going back to, let's go back here. There are varying degrees of harvest, 30, 60, 100 fold. And it's not dictated by the one sowing the seed, or the seed itself. It's based on, again, on the condition of the ground. And it can produce 30, 60, 100 fold. See, the Word of God, and we are, which we are born of, is the incorruptible seed of God. It's incorruptible. And it has the same potential 
in every situation. The Word of God is not the variable. It's the condition of the heart that's the variable. But we need to get it in there so we're so single-focused on that. Fruitfulness is not about having more. It's about having less. We just need a seed. We just need a seed of God's Word sown in our hearts so that we can produce 30 60 or 100 I hope this series has blessed you. Starting next week, I'm going to start a new series that's entitled Don't Limit God. Starting next week, we'll start this series. So this concludes our series on uh, Everything is a Seed. And next week, we'll talk about how we are not to limit God. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.